So if you would turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 8, and I'm going to ask you to stand this morning for the reading of the gospel. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people. And transform us all thoroughly by the power of the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm a big fan of the way Mark tells the story of Jesus. If you read the Gospel of Mark, you get really direct, really to the point, everything. If you read it, you're going to see words like immediately, right away, after that, next. And I think at least part of the reason why Mark is so direct is because he was getting the story from Peter. And we know a lot about Peter. And Peter's kind of a bold guy. He talks about things very upfront. He's the one who declared that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the one who went to Jesus and said, uh, stop telling us that you're going to die. Peter's the one who denied him. Peter swore, by the way, when he denied Jesus at one point. Peter was really bold and direct. And we believe that Mark who wrote this gospel, got most of his information about the life of Jesus directly from spending time with Peter. So you might wonder, well, you know, Mark, it seems a little strange that you don't start out with this whole big long story of where Jesus came from, like Luke and like Matthew do. Matthew's is a little shorter, but Luke really tells the story. Mark is like, we're getting to the point here, people. And Mark jumps in to the big story of when Jesus starts his ministry. Why? Because Mark has a couple of points that he's trying to make. One of the big ones is that Jesus has the authority to do the things he's going to do. He's all about Jesus is Lord in his gospel. So he starts from a place where Jesus 
gets his ministry underway. And he starts by telling us all about the guy who told us, who told the children of Israel, the Jews in Galilee at that time, who Jesus was and that he was coming. He starts with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is interesting in and of himself. We read of his birth as well in Luke when we hear about Elizabeth suddenly becoming pregnant after a long period of barrenness. Her husband gets told that they're going to have a baby when he's in ministering as the high priest for the season. And when he's told, he's like, um, yeah, I don't believe you. And so the angel says, well, great news for you. You're not going to tell anybody you don't believe us because you're not going to speak for the next nine months. So John the Baptist's father was the most supportive husband during his wife's pregnancy ever because he never said a word. He was just there. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. So, John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus because Mary went to see Elizabeth. And John the Baptist actually, in his mother's womb, recognized Jesus in Mary's womb. So from the beginning, John the Baptist knew exactly who Jesus was. Now, later, they obviously parted ways. They didn't necessarily spend all of their growing up years together. I've always been really curious to find out what John the Baptist's life was like before he started eating locusts and honey. Because I feel like maybe there's a story about how that comes to be. He's a very interesting person. He's living his life in the wilderness. He's out in the desert. He's living in, um, he's probably pretty unkempt because he's not around other people on a regular basis. And he eats bugs and honey. That's his nutritional stuff. His diet is made of bugs and honey. So it's interesting that when he goes from the wilderness and he starts saying, I uh, make way for the Lord. The paths need to be straight for him. The people pay attention. You see, you might think, well, this crazy guy with his crazy hair and his crazy clothes and his strange diet is hanging out by the river and he's telling people they need to repent and be baptized, you might think that no one is going to show up. Right? I mean, that's not how you start a ministry of any kind. Like, I can't imagine... Someone from the seminary saying, okay, here's how it's going to go. You're going to go to this town. You're going to go stand by the river. And you're just going to announce over and over that they need to repent and be baptized. 
and you're just going to dunk people in the river, and everybody's going to show up. Um, yeah, I don't think so. But that's exactly what happened with John the Baptist. <clears throat> He's standing by the river, and everybody's coming. All the people of Jerusalem went out to him. They all came. And he's wearing his crazy clothes and eating his crazy diet, and he's just saying, look, I'm not the point. But he's coming. And when he gets here, he's Lord. When he gets here, he is bigger than anything you can imagine. He is coming. It's interesting that John the Baptist comes from a wilderness place. He actually, it actually says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. It's like John the Baptist came out of the wilderness space and time of the children of Israel. Because the, they were in a wilderness. It was a metaphoric one. But he, they were in a wilderness. They had not heard from God in a very long time. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting for a Messiah. Now, don't forget, they completely misunderstood the concept of Messiahship. What they were waiting for wasn't even close to what they were going to get. But out of the wilderness, here comes John. That's why they went to him, because he's preaching something to them that they've been waiting to hear. They've been waiting to hear that Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. He's on his way. And when he gets here, I baptize you with water, John says, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Everything's going to change. Lisa gave a pretty compelling testimony this morning about her son and, and the struggle that happens with that. One of the hymns that we sang this morning, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, is one that I really love. And one of the reasons that I love it is because it's kind of a simple thing where you go through and you think about how the world really is crappy sometimes. And, and then he says, you know, Hate is strong and mocks the song. And then he goes into the next verse and he says, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. That's a, that's a ringing, resounding sound that says, Jesus is coming. That was actually written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Pretty famous poet. Most everybody knows his name. The reason he wrote it, or the timing of when he wrote it, was right around when he lost his wife to a house fire. And he wrote words that said, peace on earth, goodwill to men, because he needed to hear them. That's what the coming of Jesus does. The coming of Jesus brings us peace. When we give lordship of our lives to him, he changes 
how we look at things. And he gives us peace. Scripture calls it the peace that passes understanding. It's the peace that happens even when you're dealing with stuff. Raise your hand if life is never complicated for you. I'm going to say that that was a sarcastic hand raise because everyone else kept their hands down because life is complicated. Stuff happens. And the promise we have is that the Lord of our lives, if we have let him be the Lord of our lives, brings us peace even in those moments. Lisa was telling us this story about, she didn't even know this was tying in so perfectly to my message this morning. But she's telling us this story about how she went from being so distraught to having laughter. And that is a peace that can only come from the Lordship of Christ in your life. Because you see, when you know who's in charge, when you know who is the Lord of your life, you can rest in that. And that brings peace. There are so many times that we walk through our own wilderness space. And we land in this moment where it feels like we don't hear anything from God, we don't know what God is going to do next. We can't see anything. And God just wants to say to you this morning, if you're in that place, out of the wilderness, Jesus is coming. And Jesus brings peace. Jesus is coming. And he's not just coming in this grand, overpowering, kind of high-level sense. Jesus is coming for you, and for you, and for you, and for you. Jesus is coming. And he wants to be Lord of your life because he wants to bring you peace. He wants you to know that peace. That peace that comes with turning over everything to him. And then when we do that, we can do just like Lisa said. We can tell everybody else. Because Our job is to be the messenger. You see, we don't have to wear funny clothes or eat bugs. I don't mind the honey, but the bugs really just gets me. But we can still tell people Jesus is coming. And if Jesus is Lord, 
Jesus will bring you peace. You can have that peace. You can know that peace. You can live in a place of peace even as the rest of the world around you is going bananas. You can be at peace. That's an amazing gift. Jesus has given us himself. That is the good news. When we study scripture and we talk about what the words mean, various things, there is a sense in which we talk about the words as they're printed on the page and we think that what the words say is what they actually mean. But there's a, there's a place in this passage here at the very beginning where we hear the very first sentence where Mark says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. And you think, okay, the good news is about Jesus. But in the Greek, it actually could be translated, the good news is Jesus. You see, Jesus himself is the good news that we have. The good news is about Jesus, but the good news is really Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. And when we share Jesus, we're sharing the good news. We're sharing the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. The gospel of Jesus. So I don't know where all of you are in your spiritual walk or where you find yourselves this morning. If you're in a wilderness place or if you're on top of a mountain, wherever that is, I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear this morning. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he offers you himself as peace. And not just during this season of Advent, but every single day throughout the year, throughout your lifetime. Jesus is peace for you. We're going to celebrate and receive communion. And I welcome you to the table this morning, understanding that as you receive the grace of the elements, you are receiving peace in that moment. Let us celebrate the table together. <clears throat>